Danny Danko come to show you how it goes. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on High Times Radio, presented by High Times Magazine. Boom, bang! All right, welcome to episode number 93 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the revamping of the tune. And Mike, how are you feeling? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Ready to do a uh, good episode today for <laughs> <Awesome>. a change. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Well, what do we have for the people here? Well, the first thing I have for the people is a thank you. I was really um, admonishing everybody for not sending in grow questions, and then, lo and behold, we just got hit with a ton of them. So thank you, guys. Yes. Keep those questions coming. We appreciate that. We're going to get to those a little later in the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, and thank you for people who are uh, commenting on uh, iTunes and, and uh, giving us ratings and all of that. That's always very important as far as uh, st- statistics go and, and, and feeds and downloads and bits and and <laughs> megabytes and yeah. all that clearly we understand what, what <laughs> we're talking about so yeah that's good <laughs> yeah and uh we got some exciting news at high times yeah the big news we're we're going public we are going public public exactly yeah so what exactly does that mean i'm not really a, a money guy well i mean what for what i understand it means that people can invest in high times so you know, you can buy as little as one share, which is amazing. And, and it's open to anybody, right? right like not right. just uh, investors, mm-hmm. accredited investors. It's open to any person who wants to, to buy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there's laws uh, as far as like what, what you can tout and what you can't and all that. But uh, um, people can check out HighTimesInvestor.com for more information. There's info there on uh, all the different uh, options you can get, uh, you know, like I said, as little as eleven dollars uh, and uh, for one share, uh, and then there's like all kinds of perks you can get for uh, different levels of investment. So there's framed stock certificate, high times posters, and jackets and shirts, and uh, even you know uh, VIP tickets to the cannabis cups and, and meet and greets and all kinds of interesting uh, perks that you can get. But the, ultimately, you can invest in High Times Magazine. You. Uh, you know, our 45-year history, uh, we've always been a private company, and now here we are going public and uh, at a time when, you know, obviously marijuana, cannabis, weed uh, is also going public. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, to we, speak, yeah. we just learned about Canada, um, you know, basically officially sort of ratifying recreational use, which which is supposed to begin this you know, summer, fall, you know, coming up soon. So yeah, congrats um, to Canada. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. They're only the second country, um, to fully, you know, vote for and legalize recreational use, which is amazing. And, uh, you know, so hopefully it'll happen here too. Yeah. And um, as cynical as we are, uh, about stuff, it, it's actually pretty cool. You, you have an opportunity to, uh, be a investor in high times. That's, you know, Pretty yeah, amazing. Yeah, and we have obviously a lot of plans for the future, cannabis cups and all of that and and the website and social and and, and uh and the magazine. The magazine of course. <laughs> <laughs> the flagship itself. Uh so, you know, that's pretty interesting and uh it's it's also there's a limited window uh in which you can actually invest. So I think it ends in July, July twelfth or so. Uh so you know, don't put it off if you're planning on doing it uh Check out HighTimesInvestor.com and uh, you know see for yourself where where you can be a part of uh, of history. 
Yeah, hightimesinvestor.com. So definitely check that out. The other kind of interesting thing is that we just announced that a former um, president of Mexico, uh, Vincent Fox, has joined High Times board. That's right. That's right. Very exciting as well. Uh, he's a know, longtime proponent of legalization. You know, he's always been um, an advocate for pot. So it's kind of exciting to have him on board. Yeah, yeah. And he obviously has seen firsthand what the effects of prohibition are. Uh, in Mexico, it's just it's been absolutely devastating what our insatiable desire for drugs has done uh, to that country. And, you know, obviously marijuana plays a, a, a very minor role in that. But uh, the major role that's played is, is just it's shameful that uh, that such a beautiful country with such amazing people has to suffer because, you know, of uh, our laws and our, you know, enforcement of those laws and all of that. And, and he realized pretty early on that if you legalize cannabis, you kind of take away the power of the cartels and you kind of take the money and uh, the, you know, the guns and everything out of their hands. And it's a lot safer to, to have a legal cannabis market. Yeah. I mean, basically, you whenever you criminalize anything um, that's desirable, you're going to create a marketplace where, you know... Uh, discretion and things like that are, are, you know, go to the wayside, fall to the wayside, and people aren't paying taxes and aren't contributing to society. In fact, they're fighting over those things. And, you know, I say this all the time, but if you made, uh, you know, cigarettes or alcohol or, you know, any of those type of things, caffeine, Coffee, even, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. If you made those things illegal tomorrow, uh, you know, a black market would instantly spring up uh, from which, you know, people would profit. Uh, and again, people there there would be violence involved at some point uh, because when there is illicit funds and money like tax free like that um, and no oversight and no regulation, then that's what happens. So, uh, and anybody can see that. I mean, I don't care really where you stand on the political perspective. You know, spectrum. It's pretty obvious that like if you know nicotine was made illegal tomorrow, that uh, people would be dying in the streets over cartons of cigarettes so it's not so much the product as the fact that that product you know is desirable or has you know is desired by someone who's willing to pay for it and and you know hence you know supply and demand yeah and you'd also have disingenuous politicians saying that coffee is actually dangerous and it's contributing to these <laughs> deaths and it's a gateway drug so yeah i think uh, we all see what's happening here but you know changing it is a lot harder um than just realizing it but yeah so and to, good on vincente fox yeah. for for you know joining the board and and you know putting uh putting himself out there as as someone who's you know willing to speak out uh and has seen it firsthand yeah we interviewed him not long ago i think we might even have some videos so maybe we'll we'll tweet that out uh and you guys can can check that out after the show awesome yeah, and uh, the other thing I just want to say before we move on, if we're doing sort of a news current events thing, it's not often that you and I uh, have an opportunity to be proud of our, our home state here of New York when it comes to pot. But New York has started a program where if you are prescribed opioids uh, for pain, you, can, you qualify for medical marijuana. You know, you, that's all you need is a prescription for opioids, and that qualifies you to, uh, to use medical pot instead. So that's pretty pretty exciting. Some you know starting to get a little traction for the uh, medical program here in New York. Yeah, yeah, that's good news. And uh, you know there was also a recommendation uh, for fully uh, recreational marijuana in New York State recently put out uh, 
as well. So hopefully, you know, the governor will, you know, act on that and the politicians will act on that. And um, locally, very locally in New York City, uh, we've seen a recent policy change from the NYPD uh, where, you know, they're not going to be arresting people for smoking weed in public yeah, uh, for the big. most part, which is also very big because we, we're the pot arrest capital of the world still, you know, over 20,000 arrests per year. Um, really puts a strain on on our legal system and and you know it's very wasteful and very uh you know obviously a racist policy as well because 90 percent almost 90 percent of the people um who are arrested are uh people of color black and latino so they're doing it incrementally you know <laughs> they started with kind of uh stopping the stop and frisk thing and then legalizing a possession of under an ounce and now finally you know if you're actually smoking a joint they can uh, they no longer will arrest you you just get a citation so it's incremental but it is change and we're you know we're happy for that yeah it's a step in the right direction for sure uh you know our problem obviously we can't vote on it it has to come through our politicians no referendums here um, so if we could vote on it, it'd be all over instantly. Yeah. You know, but, the, um, the little fortunately, that... Cynthia Nixon came along and kind of lit a fire under everybody's ass. And that's, <laughs> uh, I think, why we're getting some of this uh, policy change and positive uh, feedback. But that's enough about New York. You know, if you look at our um, our statistics, our, our analytics for this show, it's pretty amazing. We have listeners from all over the world, you oh know, Australia, God. even China. Um, everywhere. You know, obviously the UK, but um, yeah, everywhere. I mean, everywhere. You your, your native land of Russia? Absolutely. Russia. All, I mean, all over the world. I can't believe, um, you know, some of the places, you know, Saudi Arabia and places like that, um, where, you know, the, you know, the penalties are obviously much harsher and, and yeah, it's just interesting to see that there's a, a thirst for knowledge all over the world about cannabis. And, um, you know, it's a pleasure to bring that knowledge to you guys on a weekly basis and, and in the magazine and on our website and through our events. So uh, speaking of that, we, we shared a little of uh, New York uh, marijuana policy with you. But if you want to share what's going on around you in your you know native country or wherever you are in the U.S., uh, you could email us freeweed at hightimes.com. And of course, you could also call us if you'd like and leave a voicemail, which we will play on this show. Uh, that number is 212-387-0500, and then extension 706. Yeah, please call and leave a message, especially uh, if you're in a, you know, a foreign country and uh, listening to the show. And, and tell us what's going on in your, in your neck of the woods, in your country, when it comes to cannabis. It's very interesting for us to know what's happening worldwide. Yeah, and Dan will personally pick up your long-distance uh, phone bill, so just send him that, uh, that That's receipt. No, that and, part is not true. Oh, okay. Anyway, we got a great show, so um, we should probably move on here, but, but tell the listeners at home what we have. Yeah, we have a treat. Uh, yeah, someone who's been on the podcast before, but this time we got to sit down with uh, in-depth. It is Crockett from Crockett Family Farms. He's the uh, creator of Tangy and a bunch of other amazing strains, and we're a big fan of him his family and his work so um yeah and we recorded this live at the northern california cannabis cup recently in june and i uh, got to sit down with him in a somewhat intimate <laughs> setting and by which you mean we had an audience of zero um, <laughs> not a ton of people attending but i uh we recorded it yeah we got crockett and then of course a uh, strain of the fortnight and answers to your questions so stick around all that is coming up
Hey, you guys, I definitely want to mention our awesome sponsor, BC Northern Lights. These guys have been creating grow boxes for over a decade in uh, the Vancouver, Canada area. Their phone number is 888-236-1266. You can call them seven days a week. Uh, you can check them out at bcnorthernlights.com. They make uh, a bunch of different grow boxes, things like the Roommate, which work perfectly for just uh, four plants. So if you have a plant limit and you want to just grow your four plants uh, and you need it all enclosed in a unit that does all everything for you, the fans, the air filtration, the lighting, the feeding, you know, the, the hydroponics, and lockable with a key, uh, these units are all in one wonderful touchscreen technology they even have units for drying and uh you know all kinds of different sizes you can have your mother plants your clones and your flowering plants inside a bloom box uh, there's the producer if you're trying to you know create uh, a lot of cannabis at one time and uh they're a sponsor of the show they have a special deal uh if you use the promo code denko can c-a-n uh, they will give you free nutrients for six months and all kinds of deals that you can negotiate with them when you check them out and call for a quote on one of these boxes. Uh, the cool thing is you're going to grow cannabis for pennies on the dollar once you get the thing going. So check them out, bcnorthernlights.com, 888-236-1266. And thank you to them for their support of the Free Weed Podcast. All right, hello everybody, and uh, thanks for coming out to day two of the 2018 NorCal High Times Cannabis Cup. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. This is a live recording of Free Weed. Free Weed, the podcast, is back. Um, we're doing new episodes on Thursdays, and we're going to be consistent about it. That's our pledge to all of the people here in front of us right now. And those listening at home, um, my name is Mike Janakis. I'm the editor-in-chief of High Times Magazine. And uh, we're really excited about this seminar. Um, we, uh, we're we're going to dedicate the entire 45 minutes to cultivation. And we have a very special guest that's going to teach you a bunch of stuff about your grow that you didn't know. Uh, so without any further ado, I'm going to introduce the senior cultivation editor for High Times Magazine. Let's hear it for Danny Danko. Um, we have Crockett from Crockett Family Farms on the show. And we're going to be talking about uh, you know, what's going on in Northern California for a bit, uh, a little bit of the history of uh, Crockett Family Farms and, and what they do, and how people can survive in the, in, in, in the climate, how, you know, mom and pops and how uh, people who've been part of the industry and the community for many years uh, can maintain their, you know, place in this business and in this industry and in this community in the face of a lot of, you know, big money and investment and large corporations and all of the things that are inevitably uh, here, coming and already here to change uh, what's happening and change our industry. So, uh, yeah, uh, Crockett, why don't you just, uh, I guess, you know, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do uh, with Crockett Family Farms. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm Crockett with Crockett Family Farms. You know, um, we've been in the industry for for many many years. My my parents started uh, 
growing when I was very, very young. I'm from Northern California in the mountains, so it was a kind of a way of life. Um, but since the industry's been changing, it's been really interesting. I mean, in a journey, um, and very interesting to watch. And I, I understand I have a lot of friends and family that are um, in specific situations where they're afraid that they're going to lose their brand or business um, due to the, the corporate kind of takeover. But um, <clears throat> I keep on telling them, you know, you've got to, you've got to basically uh, keep on putting out a superior product. People will notice it. Uh, a lot of the big commercial facilities are not putting out superior products. So if somebody wants to buy something truly boutique, they will. Um, there's a lot of industries that show that small mom-and-pop uh, mom shops can, can thrive and be very successful in, in a corporate setting. So there, there's definitely hope, and, and I think it's more than hope. I think there's a very, very good chance that a lot of people will get through it. Yeah, um, it's interesting. You mentioned that uh, you know you're from Northern California, and that uh, you know your parents were involved in this uh, as well. And it seems to be sort of a generational thing up here. It's like something that's handed down um, from parents to their children. And then um, at this point, you've also even sort of brought in your family into the fold uh, and are working for you as well. But you got your start. Uh, Originally, sort of, as, as far as I remember, through sort of Reserva Pravada. Can you elaborate a little bit on, on, you know, just how you got involved with Reserva Pravada and DNA and that, that stuff there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, DNA has taken, taken Crockett Family Farms to a whole other level. I mean, I owe them a lot of, of, uh, of um, gratitude. Um, yeah, well, we, we met because we, we were both in a book by Mark Haskell Smith. Um, called the Heart of Dankness, and um, we uh, Mark introduced both of us together. Uh, we started hanging out, and uh, I was I was showing them a lot of the strains that I had been creating and been growing, and they were very interested. And we became really good friends, and uh, that just led into a great business partnership. Business partnership. Um, we've been partners in many different businesses, and uh, they've helped me get my seed business and and. Uh, uh, kind of through the pipeline that they've pretty much created. And what were some of your earliest experiences with cannabis? You mentioned that you know your your it was part of uh, you know your family's you know uh, livelihood. I would imagine. And did your parents you know hide that from you at a young age? Was it pretty wide open? Uh, and uh, did you basically sort of learn from them? You know what what that what the community and the industry entails. Yeah, I mean, I, I learned at a very young age what it was, and it was kind of submerged in it. Um, my, it wasn't wide open in my household, um, but it was pretty open. Uh, you know, I was around it, smelled it, seen it, everything at a very young age, five, six, seven years old. Um, uh, tried smoking it pretty, pretty young because it was very, you know, available. Um, but it was definitely a big secret back then. There was, there was definitely uh, talks from my parents and everybody else about, you know, uh, who to talk to and what to talk to them about, you know, specific friends that you could have over the house and some that you couldn't, <laughs> and uh, things like that. Because, I mean, uh, it, there was big consequences back then that could really devastate a family if they got caught. Absolutely. Um, now let's get into... Uh, growing uh, and cultivation stuff as well. I mean, obviously, the first thing people have to think about is is the location where they're going to put their grow. 
you know, the three outdoor or greenhouse. And I think, you know, each one has its uh, advantages and disadvantages um, and cost, you know, advantages and disadvantages as well. Um, now, what is, what's your preferred uh, style of growing? Is it indoor? Is it greenhouse? Is it outdoor? Is it some kind of hybrid? I, I think my preferred is outdoor. It's just what I really enjoy doing. Um, but I think that uh, the most the the most profitable is is a greenhouse, and you get the very best cannabis from an indoor. Um, that especially with specific strains. Um, but I think for people to, that want to start growing or something like that, outdoor is the cheapest and easiest way to do it, and you get really good results. Um, on looking for a facility or looking for a site, you know, it all depends on on your situation. If you're a legal grow operation, you look for you know some good agricultural land that has good weather. Um, if you're not, you might first think about security somewhere where no somewhere where nobody's going to find your crop. So it all depends on what you're looking for. Um, generally, back in the day, we would be looking for somewhere very secluded, somewhere that gets very good sun, and somewhere that has very good water. Um, not very good water, but very uh, accessible water. Now you mentioned, uh, you know, how mom and pops can survive, and 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 one of the more important things being to bring a great product to market. Uh, but that product also has to be produced at a reasonable price and available at a reasonable price. What are, what do you think are some of the ways that people can cut, um, you know, the cost of production? I know you mentioned indoor. Obviously, there's the cost of lighting. There's the cost of uh, HVAC systems to deal with the heating. There's humidifiers and dehumidifiers and all these things um, that you have to pay for in order to control uh, the environment and the climate. Uh, and, you know, you said also that, you know, with outdoor, you have the terpene production that you get from full sunshine that kind of can't be duplicated indoors, um, and then greenhouse sort of being kind of the best of both worlds, the ability to control environment and not have, you know, the wind and the dust and the rain that you could get with outdoor, but at the same time taking advantage of free sunshine and being able to open up the vents and allowing airflow and things like that. What do you think are some of the ways that, that you know, the mom and pops can compete with these big... Uh, sort of corporations with their robot grows and all of that? Well, definitely they'd, they'd want to have some sort of greenhouse facility, in, in my opinion. I mean, you can have any type of facility and be a mom pop or a boutique, you know, small indoor or what have you, but you're going to get multiple harvests a year instead of one or two with a DEP. And um, you're going to be able to, to create a, a superior product for the cheapest amount of money. Um, if you can't afford a greenhouse, you know, there's other things that you can do. You know, you can, you can look for specific genetics that grow really well in your area. And, and there are very, very good genetics out there that, that grow outside and, and can compete with indoor um, uh, bud. So, I mean, it, it, you have to just kind of dial in your own process and your own area to create the best product you could possibly create. All right. Um, now, as a breeder, I'm assuming you end up popping a lot of beans, uh, germinating a lot of seeds. So uh, what is your recommendation for people if they buy, you know, let's say, a pack of 10 uh, Crockett Family Farm seeds, uh, maybe the tangy or, or something like that, and they want to um, 
they want to, you know, get a good germination rate from those seeds. Uh, is it the paper towel method? Is it, uh, you know, just sowing directly into the medium that they're going to be growing in? What, what do you prefer when you're popping seeds? Well, I, I have a lot of seeds. So when I, when, I, when I pop seeds, a lot of times I'll just throw them in a, in a, in a dish of water. But um, I'm not buying them, you know, and only, you know, you don't mess any up or lose any in the soil or anything like that. The paper towel method is very, very good. Um, you can see them. They should pop within 24 to 48 hours, and you can place them into a medium, probably peat or something that doesn't have vermiculite in it, so they don't get lost through the vermiculite. And they'll they'll pop them up. Once they get kind of sturdy, you can transplant them into your whatever you'd like to transplant them into. Um, you know, uh, that's the, the popping seeds is is generally pretty easy as long as the seeds are viable and and responsive. I mean, if they're very old or something has happened to them, if they got too hot or something, it'll be a little more difficult to pop them, or they, maybe they won't pop at all. Uh, now, once those seeds are growing out, assuming that you're growing from you know regular and not feminized seeds, um, there's going to be some that are female and some that are male. Um, and of course, there might be some that are, are Hermes. Um, how, how, what's your method for determining plant sex? Um, do you do this in the, the later vegetative stage? Do you wait until you've started the flowering period? Um, and, and what do you look for when you're trying to determine the, the sex of the plant? Um, well, going back to the popping seeds, too, I just, I just thought of a, another thing, too, that, that helps some people out. It's getting some cheap seeds, like uh, just seeds that you might find in in bud, or or even trying to pop them. If it's your first time growing, you know, and you've never popped seeds, and you bought an expensive pack of seeds, it might be a good idea to get a little bit of experience on something that doesn't cost any money. It only takes a couple days, and you can see kind of how to pop them, how that, how it works. But um, then to the other thing of of sexing your plants, generally I let I I do it in in veg, a little bit later veg. Um, I'm pretty good at spotting them right away. Um, sometimes it's not so evident. So um, if you throw them into the flower, you keep a close eye on them. Within a few days, within the first week, you should be able to, to, to pick them out. Um, I also uh, label each one, you know, before you take cuttings. I, while they're in veg, you can, you can take cuttings of each one labeled, and you can set those mothers or those clones that you've taken into a flowering area and sex them like that and then continue on to finding a pheno. And that's a great way to find out the sex of a plant that you're not flowering and you want to keep as a mother plant and remain, have it remain in its vegetative stages. Take a clone from the plant, root the clone, and, and flower the clone to determine the sex of the parent. Um, the important thing there, as you mentioned, is proper labeling so you know which clone corresponds to which seedling and that sort of thing. Um, and that's another thing that I, you know, I always encourage growers to, to take really good notes and to do a lot of labeling and all that, but it's always, you know, always much easier to just label everything and, and have a good idea of, of what's what. Um, another big mistake that I see people do in that early stage of growth is to, you know, if they're growing indoors, um, they keep the light, you know, really high and the plant ends up you know, stretching a lot in that early veg vegging stage and, uh, you know, it's reaching for that light uh, and it ends up basically creating a lot of empty space in, you know, in the lower part and also not being able to, you know, hold up the plant later because of that stretchiness. Um, so uh, 
what do you think is a good way for people to keep plants, you know, short and stocky during that veg stage? Uh, especially coming from seed, when you start seeds on the veg stage, um, keeping the, the lights lower is is definitely, you know, uh, a must. You're going to notice your stalks get a lot larger. Your nodes are going to be a lot closer together. Um, your you, it's going to be overall healthier plant. And um, uh, if you're using like a T5 or fluorescent lights. Uh, you know, you can get them down to, you know, eight inches above if you'd want. I mean, I've seen people go even lower. But as long as you're within 12 inches or so with the fluorescent lights, you're usually doing okay. Absolutely. And I tell people, look, if the light is fixed and it's high and you can't lower the light, raise the plant and lower the plant as it grows. You can use, you know, almost anything, crates or anything you have to bring the plant up. And, you know, that just keeps those no, those internodal spaces short and it makes the plant a much stronger plant, a more efficient plant because it's not pulling water all the way to the top of a big tall plant. It's, you know, and the stalks are thicker and the plant stays stockier and doesn't need as much trellising and things to hold it up later. Um, and I, I, I see that over and over, even in large production gardens where people have the lights way too high, way too high in, in many cases. Um, and another thing is I see, um, you know, problems with hygiene in the grow room where people will have uh, dying leaves that are still on plants or, or dead leaves on the, on the floor of the grow room in puddles of water. It's just an invitation for, for pests and mold and things like that. How important is cleanliness in the garden when it comes to growing cannabis? It's it's very very important. I mean, not even on the inside, uh, like gr- greenhouses and indoors, but even on outdoor plots and stuff. You've got to keep everything clean. You got to keep all of your your if you're outside, you got to you know keep all of your grasses down, even around like for for a good ways around your stuff in the greenhouse. You know, cleanliness is is it's huge. Things happen in greenhouses very quickly, and it is the perfect environment to harbor everything that that can go wrong for your plant. So having puddles of water and and uh, you know uh, rips in your your insect screens or maybe your screens are too too uh, clogged up with dust and stuff and you're not getting proper air ventilation you know um, keeping your plants you know trimmed up and thinned out and not, and making sure you don't have a bunch of yellow or dying leaves on your plants it's huge indoor it's it's a must indoor you have to keep everything sterile and clean I mean no there's no doubt about it. Yeah, I I tell people a lot, you know, so much of integrated pest management is prevention, Uh, whether it be, you know, just keeping everything clean or also what you bring in, you know, like uh, pests can can come in on your shoes, on your clothes. Uh, and and again, in a greenhouse, in a hot, moist environment, those pests reproduce so quickly. I mean, spider mites are practically born pregnant uh, when they're in a really hot, environment like that. So uh, really prevention is so important. I, uh, have you done plants that will uh, attract pests and be sort of like a canary in the coal mine where, uh, you know, mites will attack that plant first and give you an indication that they're coming for your weed? Yeah, there's definitely companion planting. Um, you know, I'm not an expert on it, but I know like chrysanthemums and, and specific plants contain um you know, specific fragrances or, or different things that will, you know, uh, either attract or or um, prevent bugs from from uh, coming around. Um, 
you know, that that's a good idea and it's it's something that can happen. It's kind of a good, like you were saying, the canary in the coal mine issue, getting putting something in there that attracts mites so you can kind of see the first issue of it. But it just goes back to just really paying attention to your garden and, and you know, I mean, keeping a, a strict IPM protocol is, is a must. And are there certain regulations here in California, as far as pest control goes, what you can and can't use? And um, does that mean uh, more reliance on beneficial insects over, uh, you know, let's say some kind of sprays or, or things that you could use, such as Eagle 20 and things like that, that are quite controversial in the, the cannabis cultivation world? For sure. There's definitely regulations. The regulations are pretty strict. Um, continues to expand as well. So... Um, as cannabis kind of takes a foothold in California, I expect the list to get bigger and bigger um, uh, for for combinations of things that you can use that are all organic and 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 good. It just some things just aren't on the list yet. So um, you can definitely use basic things, names, stuff like that. Your um, your beneficial insects and stuff like that. The, you, you've got to definitely consider because in certain situations they're they're better than others. You know, indoor, it's kind of a little harder. In the greenhouse, when you can have them breed and, and actually make nests and, and live, it gets a little bit better. Now, you mentioned um, a light deprivation. That's a greenhouse technique uh, where you actually, you know, cover the greenhouse uh, so that you're getting 12 hours of light per day, even in the summertime, uh, and you can flower in the middle of summer. What are some of the, advantage of the advantages of that for you? The main advantage of light deprivation is being able to pull off multiple crops all year long. So um, at any moment, you can put your plants into flower. Uh, you can control it kind of like an indoor and have multiple crops a year. That's the biggest advantage. All right. Well, now that you've reached harvest, I find a lot of people make the mistakes at this time. Take us through the harvesting process that you have on your farm uh, where, you know, from, from you know, cutting the plants down and hanging them to curing and storage? Uh, we generally uh, go in and what we call big leaf the plants. So we'll take all of the leaf off the plants while they're still alive. Then we'll take all of the, the uh, branches off the main stalk of the plant and hang them on racks that are mobile in, in, right inside the greenhouse. And we'll push those racks outside into a confinement chamber. It's a self-drying room that we've constructed. And um, we'll place the racks in that room and monitor the humidity and the temperature uh, for approximately seven days. Then we remove those. We do a bucking process where we'll buck all of the bud into a, uh, <clears throat> a bin that has been specially made that has air that can go all through it um, and then it sits in those bins for a day or two while it gets trimmed and we hand trim everything five gallon um, sealable buckets uh, for bulk or into directly into jars all right well thank you very much uh, Crockett congratulations on your many uh, cannabis cup wins and on having you know such a successful company uh, that's like you said, still a mom-and-pop operation, literally, <laughs> and that you've got your family um, helping out with. And our, our, our old friend Bobby Black is now on board the Crockett uh, Express. 
Yes, he is. We're super happy to have Bobby Black aboard. I mean, he's 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 making a big difference in the in in our our company right now. All right. Thank you for being on the show. And if you have any uh, sort of parting wisdom uh, for people that are growing, um, any one thing that you think you know people should know if they're getting into the cultivation you know world, it's it's all about the genetics, man. It all starts from seed. It all starts with a seed. All right, so thanks to Crockett for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, thanks to you guys for listening. It was kind of surreal to do that entire um, uh, podcast with no audience. And yet, you know, there, there were chairs and a big room, but, but no one showed up. It was early, and I know people wanted to, to, you know, be outside and check out all the wares and get high. But, you know, it was still a little strange. Yeah, but it's a good thing that we taped it and that uh, we get that information out to as many people as possible. Absolutely. So uh, what do we got now? We It's been uh, two weeks, I believe, since our last strain. Okay, that's right. So then we're doing the strain of the fortnight? We are. What is the strain of the fortnight? All right. I think uh, this fortnight, I would like to talk about Gorilla Glue number four. Uh, this was recently mentioned in the uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce song, or uh, music that recently came out. Are you familiar with the with their work, Mike? Um... Yeah, the Carters, Sean and and Beyonce. <laughs> well, I've heard of them both. Yeah, they're they're popular musicians. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and on their song called Ape Shit, uh, <laughs> actually Jay Z, Sean says, uh, ran through Liverpool like a fucking beetle, smoke Gorilla Glue like it's fucking legal. Oh, so this is like a yeah, mm-hmm. it does rhyme, um, which you know in rap music is helpful. It's like half the <laughs> battle, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so it's interesting that he mentioned that. Obviously, it's kind of like, you know, culturally kind of on the tip of people's tongue. Gorilla Glue number four has been really popular uh, for the last, I don't even know, almost five years or so. Um, it was in our top ten strains of 2016, and it was produced by uh, Josie Wales and Lone Wadi. These are the breeders who, uh, yeah, it's kind of an accidental cross. They had a, a sour dub crossed with Chem Sister and a chocolate diesel and uh, there was an accidental cross, basically, in a grow room of those. And what came out of that accidental cross ended up, you know, turning heads and being really interesting. And got the name Gorilla Glue. Uh, you know, it's very sticky, super sticky, you know, very pungent and hard hitting, but also, you know, sticky. Um, and also people say it kind of glues them to the couch. So... Not sure, you know, if it's because of the stickiness of it or if because it glues them to the couch, but um, it definitely has a, a reputation as being, you know, a pretty strong indica, even though it has a, you know, a, a longer flowering time than typically. So it's nine to 10 weeks flowering. Um, and it's won a few cups uh, Michigan Cup 2014, first place hybrid, uh, hybrid, first place hybrid uh, 2014 in SoCal, uh, Jamaica Cup winner. Um, people love GG number four. And that's the other thing is like uh, there was a lawsuit from the company who does the actual glue, Gorilla Glue, uh, actually, you know, 
you can learn more about this on their website, which is Gorilla Glue Four. The well, actually, I mean that is still theirs, but I think GG Strains is the uh, the website now. They have to turn over Gorilla Glue Four oh, to okay. the uh, adhesive company because they lost the lawsuit. Right. So any minute now, jackboot thugs are going to break down our door and take you away for saying Gorilla Glue in reference to the pot strain. I think. Right. I'm going to call it GG Four. Uh, the original glue also is acceptable, I think. Right, original glue. And there's a few others in that family. Obviously, you know, with the four, there's a, a Gorilla Glue 1, Gorilla Glue 5. Uh, Gorilla Glue 1, they're calling Sister Glue. Uh, the 5 is called uh, either GG5 or New Glue. Um, they have a Las Vegas Purple Kush times GG4 Purple Glue, uh, which they're calling Glucci. Uh, but you can find out more on their website about those particular strains and about the lawsuit as well uh, which is interesting because you know now these companies are starting to go after um, a lot of our you know sort of colloquially colloquially named strains um, and you know all the people with Star Wars stuff better watch out too because Disney's just thinking that yeah (laughs) Disney's coming for y'all yeah for sure but that lawsuit is really interesting yeah there was no money that uh was exchanged but basically gorilla glue gg strains has to change the name and kind of uh change the imagery because they were using the gorilla to advertise the strain Um, yeah yeah Yeah. and and you know let that be a warning to anyone who's you know infringing on someone else's copyright that uh you know we're as we as we're going more legit those things are going to be even more important but Back to the strain. I mean, this earthy and piney strain is really amazing. People love it. Um, the yields are nice, you know, for that longer flowering time and for being, um, you know, uh, the the parentage of the strain. Uh, it, not all those are, are super great yielders, but this one happens to be not bad. And also, you know, great for extracts. Concentrate uh, extract artists really enjoy the the quality and the flavor of the oil that that's produced from GG4. So... Um, check it out. Uh, Gorilla Glue number four. Uh, that's the last time I'm going to say it that way. <laughs> I'm going to call well, it GG4 the, from now on. Yeah, it, it does. It is a little interesting as far as what we're supposed to do uh, when referring to it. But uh, that lawsuit actually went down in October of 2017. And I think um, GG Strains was given 12 months from then to, to completely you know stop using the name and imagery. So I'm going to give us 12 months as well. So by yeah. October, uh, we'll have it figured out. Yeah, somebody mention it to Jay-Z, too, if you get a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Will do when I see him. All right, so that was the strain of the Fortnite. All right. Very cool. GG4. Once again, you know, earlier I mentioned that you guys uh, really came through with some questions. And uh, so we have a bunch here. You want to do some questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right, awesome. Uh, First question is from John Z, who I think ran into us at the Michigan Cup. He writes, uh, hey, Danny, John Z here. It was great meeting you, Mike, and the gang over the weekend. He's also super stoked that the podcast is back. Or we were excited to meet you, so that was great. Um, his question is, do you have any tips or tricks when it comes to reusing organic super soil? I use a plain water-only super soil mix similar to that of uh, Subcool. I was planning on adding back the amendments, guano, kelp meal, etc. So really, it's just the soil base that I'd be reusing. If you do recommend... Uh, soil reuse how careful should i be about removing the old roots is it okay to just remove the big roots or should i remove all the small ones too so uh, what do you think wow uh, good question and uh yeah this is very interesting too because a lot of people are now growing um using this sort of living soil technique and what's cool about that is you can reuse the soil and 
what's you know you, you by by doing that you just you want to make sure there's no you know pathogens or pests obviously in this in the in the soil mix um and like you said the smart thing is to add the amendments back into it because t- you know typically after a, a full cycle of uh watering especially something like super soil towards the end you're it, you know, everything's fading and there's really supposed to be almost no nutrient left in that soil mix um, at the end because you're just mostly adding plain water um, so you do want to add those amendments you mentioned uh, guano kelp meal etc those those are all things you want to add back in as far as uh, the root uh, if you take out the main you know large sort of root uh, root ball and the, the, you know, the larger roots that, that will come out with that you don't really have to worry about the smaller roots. They're basically going to compost and break down. And a lot of your beneficials and, and microbes and things are going to help with that as well. Um, so, you know, just consider that like something, you know, added sort of organic material that's going to compost in in your your soil mix. And, you know, definitely check the pH too because that, that can fluctuate. Um, so, you know, run some water through your, your mix and check the pH of that water after it comes out. Uh, and you know adjust that as necessary but uh, you know reusing soil is great as long as you use those amendments and and refortify that soil and over time you'll find that you know you can go several several laps with it uh reusing it and it, even better if it's not in containers but in like a big uh you know like a big trough kind of thing where the the roots kind of commingle uh, I don't always recommend that, but when you're doing uh, living soil, it, it always helps to have as much of that as possible, and um, containers kind of kind of block that off and, and create places where where things will uh, accumulate. And uh, when they're in larger trough type containers or, or big beds, uh, it, that's less of an issue. All right, sounds good. Thank you, John, for that question. Uh, let's move on to Cliff. He writes, uh, Danny and Mike. I live in a tiny house. It's only 160 square feet. I'm planning my first grow in a 2x2 grow tent with an LED light. It's 4 feet tall. Uh, Any advice on how to set up a small grow like this? Any strain recommendations? Uh, Well, you're going to want, you know, obviously short and stocky strains, or you're going to be doing a lot of training because you have very little space there. Uh, What's good is you're using an LED light, so you're not going to have the heat buildup that you get with HID uh, lighting, which is really rough on micro growing in small spaces. Uh, yeah, I mean, for strains, I just recommend uh, short, stocky indicas. You know, even those you may have to train uh, somewhat in a small space, uh, but that's always a lot easier than trying to train a long and lanky sativa with a longer flowering time and that that just wants to stretch and stretch and stretch. So. Um, you know, anything, you know, with Kush in the title, uh, Skunk in the title, that sort of thing. Um, indica dominant uh, sativas. I mean, indica <laughs> indica dominant strains uh, that are more, you know, a, a higher percentage indica than sativa are going to be more likely to be successful for you in that very small space. Okay. Uh, thank you, Cliff. We hope that helps. Let's move on to Siberian, who uh, writes... Uh, it's my first time growing. I keep hearing you talk about trichomes and making sure they're cloudy. Well, I'm using a phone to take photos and zoom in to look really close. Uh, some tops are turning cloudy, and others are clear, and like 10% are turning amber all at the same, all on the same plant. We super cropped with huge success and have many tops on a single plant. 
When should I pull this plant? I'm going into the eighth week of flower on Girl Scout cookies. All right. Well, it sounds like you're pretty much, uh, you know, if not at harvest time, then very rapidly approaching it. Um, you said about 10% are turning amber. Uh, some tops are cloudy and others are clear. Uh, so you want you want to take the plant down when the majority of gland heads are cloudy. Some will remain clear and some will start to turn amber. But when the majority of them, about 50% or more, are cloudy, that's when you want to harvest. Because like taking a steak off the grill, uh, it's going to keep cooking after you take it off. The plant is going to keep maturing after you cut it down. And those gland heads are going to become more amber if they are cloudy. So if you wait too long and you're mostly amber and then, you know, as you're drying, they all sort of go amber, you're going to definitely have a more lethargic, uh, more sort of sleepy time stone. Uh, If you take it a little earlier, it's going to be a little more uplifting. Uh, You know, generally based on strains, it could be different. But um, the idea is, you know, for optimal THC level, you want to harvest when uh, when it's about when the majority of your trichome glands are cloudy, and as long as your phone is is a high quality phone and you can really get in there and see, then then that's good. As long as it's magnifying those gland heads and you can get a really good look at the actual uh, inside of the gland head itself. Okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, thanks, Siberian. He also wants to send you photos and asks whether you will puff or pass them for me. Yeah, I mean, that's something we do all the time. We get a lot of pictures from people for pics of the crop and people sending us their shots. I will puff and pass uh, based on the quality of your photos, and so send them in. Okay, sounds good. Let's move on. Uh, Here's a good one. AC, um, I think you'll like this. He writes, uh, hola, Mr. Danko. How about a recommendation list of grow books to have handy in a personal library? Wow, grow books. Okay, well, um, there's the ones I learned from, which are... Uh, Marijuana Horticulture, the Indoor-Outdoor Grower's Bible by Jorge Cervantes, who's been on the show, of course. Uh, That's a great one, and he recently put out the Cannabis Encyclopedia, which is, uh, you know, the definitive guide to cultivation and consumption of medical marijuana, which is an amazing book as well. But the one I really, like I said, I learned from myself was the Grower's Bible. And then, uh, of course, there's the Ed Rosenthal Marijuana Grower's Handbook, uh, also a classic of the genre. Um, and I, we should mention, we, Ed Rosenthal is back in High Times Magazine, which is amazing as well. We've got him uh, contributing after a, a sort of a long hiatus of not being part of the mag, and now he's back. So that's exciting. Uh, yeah, he's going to make his uh, debut in the September issue, which is a 710 special because it comes out in July. So it's all about concentrates. Yeah, yeah, and we have an excerpt there from his Beyond Buds Marijuana Extracts book, which is a, uh, a di- another book that he wrote about uh, concentrates. So that's interesting as well. And then uh, I should mention, of course, uh, shameless plug, that I have a grow book. Uh, it's about to come out. It's in pre-order on Amazon. You can check out a link to that uh, Amazon on my Twitter uh, in my bio. And uh, yeah. Uh, it's a beginner guide for growing. It's called Cannabis, a Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana. And it's really, you know, very basic for beginners. It's an uh, entry point, entry level kind of book. Uh, it's got information on everything as far as uh, germination, uh, sexing plants, cloning plants, uh, keeping mother plants, 
vegetative stage, flowering stage, harvesting, pests, a little bit of everything um, just to get people started because, you know, the, the Jorge book, the, the Ed book, these are great books, but they're also very dense. There's a lot of information and, you know, mar- marijuana growing is requires a lot of information, but at the same time, just to get your feet wet and, and, and to, you know, get started, I wanted to get a book that, you know, explain that a little bit more easily um, to get those people who now are be are able to grow legal plants you know you can grow four plants or six plants or ten plants whatever you can grow legally um this book is intended to get you started and growing your first crop successfully all right excellent so that is the uh, the personal grow book library recommendations from dan including his own which uh, people can find on your twitter at Danny Danko? Yeah, at Danny Danko on Twitter in my in my uh, you know profile there. There's links to the book. There's links to the podcast. Uh, and I think uh, links to something else as well. Great. Lots of links. <laughs> All right. My, uh, my Instagram or something. <laughs> uh, sounds good. Um, where you could also send photos his way to Puffer Pass on. Uh, we have time for one more question. So let's go to D's Nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> Danny and Mike, uh, as an old school listener, I'm excited you're back on the air. Uh, thanks to the thanks to the advice you gave me a couple years ago, I'm growing on a large piece of land and my harvest is so plentiful that I can't dry at my house. I know, tough problem to have. So I'm going to have to dry near the greenhouse, but my issue is that I don't have electricity. Uh, I grow in Michigan, so legality isn't an issue, but what can I do? Huh. Uh, that's that's kind of a dilemma. It's, a, I guess, a high-class problem. If you yeah, have, it's a good problem to have. You do have a harvest, but you have no place to dry it. Um, you said there's a lot of land. I would, you know, build some kind of a drying shack or facility for yourself if you can. Uh, I know it's tough without electricity, and obviously controlling the environment is tough, but you certainly don't want to dry outdoors, and you don't want to dry in the sunshine or anything like that. Um, this is a mistake that people make with a lot of big outdoor grows is is not being prepared for the actual harvesting and drying of that Uh, but you know ideally let's see michigan yeah i mean you you, the weather can fluctuate in michigan pretty wildly in the fall lots of humidity there and there's lots of humidity um which you know makes for a slower drying period but at the same time can also give you uh, bud rot and mold and things that can, that are a big issue with outdoor grows and, and, and harvesting and drying. So if you can create some kind of a, a shack uh, to dry in and you can somehow bring in uh, electricity, which would be great. You could have you know fans moving around in there, um, moving some of that air around if it's too moist and uh, you know make sure it's, make sure it's a cool dry pl- uh, place and it's dark uh, and yeah i mean i guess it's tough without electricity but again you don't want to you don't want to dry in sunshine and you don't want to dry too quickly so whatever you can do to you know slow that process down then you know get those uh buds after they're dry into jars sealed glass jars for curing okay thank you d's nuts uh, we should also <laughs> mention that he writes ps uh, still team underscore uh, which I think is a reference to, to my Twitter handle. And it also brings up, I actually have changed my Twitter handle. So um, if you have a question that you'd like read on this show, uh, you can now get us uh, on Twitter, at Danny Danko. I'm at Mike G underscore HT. Uh, Mike G underscore HT. Uh, also use the hashtag FreeWeedPodcast. And of course, you could email us, uh, FreeWeed at HighTimes.com. 
Uh, that does it for the cultivation section, but uh, why don't we take a little break and come back and wrap it up? Let's do it. All right, so here we are at the wrap, where we wrap it up with Raw. We've made it to another finish line. Yeah, episode 93. Uh, thank you to Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you, of course, to Crockett, uh, who is our illustrious guest on the episode. Thank you to you, Mike G., editor-in-chief of High Times Magazine. I do what I can. Co-host and producer of the Free Weed Podcast. Mm-hmm. And writer of my coattails. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the team underscore movement is growing. So, you know, watch out. Team underscore, you guys. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Mike for president. I like it. (laughs) Right on. So, uh, yeah, thanks to you guys. Be sure to, if you you want a follow on uh, Instagram or Twitter, um, comment and rate us on iTunes and leave your your moniker. there and i will follow you uh, I are you having a that. stroke should i be concerned <laughs> about this i'm good i'm good i'm I a do. little i'm a little little buzzed but mm-hmm. you know happy for my 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 friends up north in the great white north of canada who who are now celebrating recreational legalization uh-huh yeah congratulations and also if you guys want to invest in high times remember it's a high times investor.com yeah so yeah so that there we have it. I think that's episode number 93. Thank you to BC Northern Lights, our sponsor. And thanks to you guys, of course, our listeners. And let's put this one in the books. 